Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here, Lord, to be with family, to uh, be in your presence, to enjoy worship, uh, the, the word, Father, community. Lord, let us be transformed. Let us be changed more into your likeness, Lord. Um, as we maybe touch on topics and subjects that we don't talk about often, Lord, may we have an open mind, an open heart, Lord. And ultimately, may, may we as a church honor and serve your kingdom in you, Lord. Let us become more uh, like your son, Jesus. We pray all these things in your great and mighty name. Yes. When you walked in, you should have received the bulletin. Inside the bulletin is an outline where you can follow me along. But as I mentioned, we're starting a new series called Five Things Strong Christians Don't Do. And you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you consider yourself a strong Christian? You know, people in general, they don't like to be told what not to do. I don't know about you, but... Even now, like, I'm an adult, and my mom sometimes like, oh, you shouldn't do that. I'm like, mama, like, I, I don't live in your house anymore. Don't come at me. You know, it, it's just, it's almost like in our sinful nature, or, or, or not even sinful nature, but it's just how we are as humans. We don't like to be told what not to do. But in fact, Christians have gained this weird reputation uh, of kind of like pointing their finger at other people and telling them what they shouldn't do. But our goal with this series is to take that finger and to point it at ourselves. And see, and if you don't consider yourself a Christian, you're kind of just here, you know, you're, you're like, I'm just here. I'm not, I don't buy into this whole thing. You, you know, you're kind of off the hook, you know, but I highly, highly think that these principles, if you apply them to your life, they will immensely, immensely help you. But when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you say, I am a Christian, when you say, I'm going to live out this life like Jesus, then we are bound to these principles. And they are very exciting principles. Right there in your outline, you'll see 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 25, and you'll have them here on the screens as well. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to what? Run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. You know, whenever we come up with a goal for our lives, um, we usually are very good at outlining the things that we have to do, right? We say, I want to get there. These are the things that I should do. See, when I got married, you know, one of my goals, and I remember telling a friend this, is like, my goal is like, I want to be a great husband. I don't know if that was a good idea, but it was my goal. I said, I want to be a great husband. And so I kind of came up with this list. I was like, these are all the things that I should do. 
<clears throat> I said, I have to tell her nice things. I have to take out the trash. I have to provide. I have to be affectionate with her because we, before we got married, I, I wasn't affectionate. She would try to hold my hand. I'm like, well, child, like, we're in public. You know, like, I just wasn't there. But I, I started to think these are all the things that I should do to be a great husband, but I never gave much thought about the things that I shouldn't do. I never gave much thought about how I shouldn't leave my socks all over the place. She's pregnant now. She can't even, you know. And I get the text in the morning and I know. I was like, oh, this sucks. Or, or, or that I, I shouldn't forget things that she asked me to do. You know, we tend to do that. Oh, can you, honey, can you do this? You're like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. And then she ends up doing it. Or, or that I should never, ever tell her to calm down. Not a good idea. And so I thought of all the things that I should do, but I never gave much thought about what I shouldn't do. I thought that just doing what I should do was enough. But see, it's not just the things that we do, but also the things that we don't do that can help us either achieve or miss out on our goals. And see, most of us know this because we've all had that phase where we try to lose weight, but all we do is go to the gym. We never stop eating all the junk that we eat, and so we don't see it in the process, right? That's happened to me so many times. Like, I can't even. And see, and maybe you're here, and like, you're like, I'm not really the winning type. You know, I'm not all that. Like, I, I'm good where I am. I like the flow. Uh, I, I'm okay with just, you know, kind of getting by. But look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, what we just read. He said, <clears throat> he said, don't run just to participate. He said, run to win. Run to win. And, and in other words, don't just settle for participation. Run to win. Don't just settle for being an husband or an okay wife. Be the best husband. Be the best wife that you can be. Don't just have children. We have way those. Try to be the best parent possible. Do your work. Try to be the best employee or boss that you can possibly be. Kids, don't just pass the class. Try to to actually learn something in the class or maybe even be at the top of the class. See, God did not create us to just participate, to just get by. God actually wants you to win at life. I make fun of my wife because when we got married, she, she brought like this huge bag of trophies. I was like, what is this? And, and like I put it in the closet. And it has stayed there for the past two years. And, like, I make fun of her and her family. I'm like, get all these participate, participation trophies out of your, like. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, yeah, she's in the back if you don't know where she is. But uh, the area where we want to actually focus on in this series is don't just be a Christian. In fact, we have Wait, you know how many people label themselves as Christian and, and look and act nothing like Jesus? They're not hard to find. They're all over the place. And so don't just be a Christian. Be the best Christian possible. A mature, strong Christian who genuinely wants and is trying to be like Jesus every 
day. See, we become a Christian when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, but we become a better and stronger Christian by the choices that we make. See, God made salvation available to you. He made Christianity uh, the, the opportunity to be a believer right here, and it's available to you. But to become the best possible believer that you can be and to have a thriving life, we have to decide every day. We have to choose every day. See, you know, if you were to ask a bunch of people, what things shouldn't Christians do? Oh, you'll get a long list. In fact, I think it's kind of funny that people who have never been to church, I feel like they actually know more of what we shouldn't do, right? You ever get that? Like, that you shouldn't be doing that. I'm like, who are you? Like, you even go to, <laughs> have you ever read the Bible? You know, you'll get things like Christians shouldn't gamble. They shouldn't go to certain parties. They shouldn't listen to certain music. Should, they shouldn't celebrate certain holidays. And then you'll even get some weird ones, right? You'll Christians shouldn't watch Pokemon, you know, Christian, <laughs> Christian women shouldn't wear jeans, and, and then on and on and on and on. We can go on about all the things that Christians should not do and what people have to say about things. But in this series, we want to focus on five things that after lots of thought, prayer, and research, our pastor Nestor narrowed it down. And if you don't know this, again, I had mentioned that we are uh, churches of a bunch of pastors. Usually, uh, one pastor creates the skeleton and the rest of us just kind of fill in. No, we, we, but it's a good thing to know that our main pastor has come up with these ideas, uh, with these um, biblical principles for us to talk about. I need you to know that these five things are not the only things that you shouldn't do. They're not the only things, but they are a great, great start for a better and thriving life. So you guys ready? It's going to get good. So the first one today is strong Christians don't get easily offended. Oh, my goodness. Some of you are like, well, I'm not a strong Christian. That's it for me. (laughs) There's no hope. And I say easily get offended because it's impossible not to get offended. You know, when we become Christians, we don't become these robots, right? That just kind of, you know, we don't become less human. We still have feelings. And in fact, it seems like in the 21st century, it's so easy to get offended. Thank you so much. So easy. It seems like we're all walking on eggshells. It's like you, you can't even look at someone the wrong way. But on top of that, we also have people who are so judgmental, angry, opinionative, stubborn, mean, blind, and even evil. And what's sad is that sometimes we find these things inside of the church. And see, offenses and offended people, they have caused so much damage in relationships, in communities, in our nation, and even in the church, because the timeless phrase and the timeless truth still stands today as back then is this idea that hurt people hurt other people. And so it's this dance of offense and offended, offense and offended, and we just continue to make more damage. 
And so we can't stop offenses from happening. Look at what Luke 17, 1 says. It says, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Offenses are inevitable. They're going to happen, but check this out. But staying offended is a choice. Offenses will happen, but staying offended is a choice. You know, here's something that some of us might not know, and it's not your fault. It's your parents' fault. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, we can actually control our responses to offenses. You have control over how you react. Maybe not so much about how you feel because it hurts when we get offended, but you do have control over how you React. You know what? Nothing in our life, nothing in your life or around has ever gotten better because we got and stayed offended. It's never gotten better. And I know we want to believe this, but no one has ever said, oh, yeah, our marriage got better because I stayed mad at her. <laughs> like, oh, our, our friendship is so strong because I keep talking behind her. Or, or, yeah, we're good because I continue to ignore him. The fact of the matter is, is that staying offended has never made our life any better. In fact, it has made us miserable. We lose sleep. We get stressed out. Some of us even get health problems because we decide to stay offended. It affects our relationships. We can't go into certain uh, uh, groups or parties or organizations because, oh, I style, I style uh, La Maria, no, I can't go there. No, like what? But look at these four quick negative effects of staying offended. The first one is staying offended gives access to the enemy. Staying offended is breeding grounds for ungodly emotions and thought. The second is staying offended makes you susceptible to deception. In Matthew 24, Jesus said that in the last days, people will betray and hate each other. And false teachers will appear and deceive many people. Staying offended turns a warm heart into a cold heart. Staying offended requires us to live in the wrong that was done to us. There are some of us in here who used to have such a sweet warm and tender heart, but because you have constantly been offended, maybe even by close people to you, you now have walls built up and a strong and hardened heart. And fourth thing, puts you away from God and you won't change. In Mark 6, 3, Jesus comes to Nazareth, his hometown, and people are so offended by who Jesus is, that we're told that they refused to believe in him. There are people so hurt, so offended, that no matter what you tell them, no matter what evidence you show them of God, no matter what they experience, they will continue to deny the presence of God. See, if you want to be a strong Christian, you have to be stronger than an offense. You have to learn to overlook offenses. And before I continue, let me just be clear about something. Overlooking an offense 
shouldn't be confused with submitting to abusive people, nor uh, confused for morally and ethically unacceptable circumstances. It does not mean that you need to be walked all over. It does not mean that you need to be a pushover. See, this is much more about us, about you, than everyone else around you. And so why do strong Christians not get easily offended? And you can fill these out in your outline. Strong Christians don't get easily offended because, first, they are gospel sensitive. They are gospel sensitive. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. This, uh, the first week that we had in life group, we played an awesome video, and, and this guy's great. And uh, he said two things that really just stuck out to me and stayed with me. And if you're not in a life group, I highly recommend you join one. And if you have checked them out and you're kind of like, oh, you know, there's the weirdos in here, you can start your own. Just, just talk to me or pastor, and you can start your own group and say, you know what, in my group, we're, we're just going to chill in j- j- the jacuzzi and watch the videos and whatever you want to do, it's great. But um, the, the videos are so good, and the fact that you could talk about them after is great. But he said these two things. The first, he said, if Jesus could really be described as a whole in one word, it would be slow. Weird, right? Slow, composed, calm. And the second thing he said is how you respond when you are distracted shows who you really are. Look, let me tell you something that's going to hurt, and I say it because it hurt me. When you get easily offended, right, when you react to offense and someone says something and you lose it and, and everything, you know, goes south, it shows that you have very little self such that of a child. Have you ever heard the saying or the term, you need to grow up, right? You know, we hear that, you need to grow up. They see it in reference because usually someone is acting immaturely. Usually because someone is not acting their age. And it's usually referring to, hey, you're acting like a child. And it seems that there are lots of people have a lot of growing up to do. Because they have little to no control over their emotions and their reactions. You can't even look at them a certain way because they give you the stink eye. You know, it starts twitching. You're like, whoa. (laughs) Being gospel sensitive is being like Jesus, slow, calm, composed. The Bible says slow to anger. See, most people would be like, oh, he prays a lot. He studies a lot. He glows. or They just start making stuff up. But no, it's that he had self control and there are no don't there's doubt that there are people who will intentionally hurt you but most of the time they're understanding they're misunderstandings and there's so many times that we just want to react right and say what you say right don't you want to go up to him turn him around hey i heard you're talking about me you know we we just want to react but see, the key is to stay calm, composed, and slow to anger. I remember once I had this, this, 
this pedo, you know, like this, this beef that with, with, our main <laughs> with our main boss. Uh, and I, I really had to talk to him, and, and, and it had gotten under our, uh, my skin. And so I went and I talked to, not Pastor Nestor, but our actual senior pastor. And, and I kind of laid it all out. And I thought he was, you know, kind of tried to defend himself. And he was just so calm. I almost felt like a jerk. I was like, I should tone it down because he's, he's, he's so calm. He's not offended or anything. And then he just thought and was processing. And then when he responded, it was so wise. I was like, I, I even wanted to be like, you know what? Just forget it. Like, I'm not, I'm not even offended anymore. And I get it. I get it. Some of you are saying, you know, if they did to you what they did to me, I want to see you stay calm. I get it. I get it. Look at what 1 Peter 2.19 says. It says, for this is a gracious thing. When, what? Mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. See, the more time that you spend with God in prayer, in scripture, in meditation, in fasting at church, the more that you are renewed and transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ the easier it is to, to be able to deal with offenses, especially offenses that you know come with, with bad intentions and they actually want to hurt you because you are actually spending time with Jesus and he's giving you that calm spirit that we need. Spend more time with God. The second thing is strong Christians don't easily get offended because they own their own sin. They own their sin. Sinful people are going to do sinful stuff. <laughs> it's just what we do. See, other people put you down. They will hurt you. They will disappoint you, mistreat you, not be fair to you, fill in the blank, etc., etc. But guess what? So will you. So will you. Look at this. Look at this in Ecclesiastes 7, 21 and 22. It says, do not to every word people say, imagine. That's tough, huh? Do not pay attention to every word people say. Or you may hear your servant cursing you. For you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. Wow. Wow. You know, there was a time that a few years back um, that it, it got to me that someone in church had been like um, uh, talking about me and and you know, telling other people and leadership, like, oh, Angel, if this, he does this. And, and I remember they came up to me and they said, hey, this person is saying this about you and, and so forth and so forth. And, and I kid you not, and I think I've said this before, my response was, who? I didn't even know this person. I had never met them in my life. But they knew so much about me. I was, I was like, this is interesting. Who is this person? And, 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 in, in that process, I got really offended. 
Because it was getting to a point where leadership started questioning my character, where leadership was saying, whoa, aren't you like a, like a preacher and a minister and you're doing these things? I was like, look, I, first of all, I don't even know this person, but, but I'm, I, I need to find out, right? And so you, your blood starts to boil and die, right? It starts twitching. And, and I remember talking to um, someone in the worship team, and, and I was really upset. And, and this person uh, so happened to be in ministry as well, which made it worse. And um, I told them the story, and I was like, I'm really offended. I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure they're not in ministry, so forth, so forth. Very bad reaction. And I remember he told me something. He said, Angel, you've gossiped about other people too. I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. I actually know them. This person doesn't know me. <laughs> and, but when he told me that, I, I said, you're right. And, and I, I was disappointed in myself. And somehow God started working in my heart. And, and I said, I, I have to have grace because... I've done things to other people who have hurt them as well. I see, the gospel makes us aware of our sin, but it also makes us aware of our need for grace. And when we forget that, we become more easily offended. But see, we need perspective. We need empathy. You know, a serious issue that happens way too often in church is that most of us come to church, most of us get here because of a, of a certain problem or a certain thing that we deal with, right? Whether that's drugs, alcohol, whether we have a bad marriage, we have some other type of addiction, maybe we lost someone. We all come here for a specific reason. But then we are liberated, right? God fixes everything. We're good. We're living in freedom. We're Christian. We're good. We're going to church. But then somehow we, in a way, become kind of judgmental towards those people who are dealing with what we used to deal with. And I see this so much. But see, we should be the most empathetic towards them because we know how it felt to be in their position. If we, if we used to deal with alcohol and we came and we were liberated, we should be the most gracious to those who deal with alcohol. We should be that light and help them instead of saying, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, most people who, who talk bad about you, most people who, who cheat on you, who wish evil on you, they have it worse. They have it where anyone who takes time out of their day to take pleasure in seeing someone else suffer has some issues. Listen, they have it bad enough. They don't need to be punched in the face. They need Jesus. Some of you are like, well, that wouldn't, that would help. See, you and I need as much grace as anyone who has ever offended us because we have offended other people too. Maybe it wasn't on purpose, but we've done it. Has that ever happened to you? Someone, someone came up to me and said, hey, uh, you offended me and, and I forgive you. I'm like, thanks, because I was not aware. <laughs> but it happens. And the third is strong Christians don't get easily offended because they yield to the Spirit's work. They yield 
to the Spirit's work. Galatians 5.25. It says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Not just Sundays, not just on stage, but in every part of our lives. See, every believer, when you accept Jesus, you have been given the presence of the Holy Spirit. We are sealed by his presence. It's how we are made alive. Hold that we are supposed to submit, to yield, and to be led by the Spirit. Those are two very different things. See, there are these things called the fruit of the Spirit. And if you have the Spirit in you, if you are being led by the Spirit, if you are yielding to the Spirit, then the, the Bible says that you will show these fruit of the Spirit, and they are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and who knows that last one? Self-control. Wow. Self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And so these, these characteristics are supposed to be evident when you are being led by the Spirit. If you lose control over everything, it means you're not being led. Have you ever noticed that an offended person can't produce that fruit in their lives? Agrees? You know, every offense is an opportunity to grow. Every, every single offense is an opportunity to grow. And please, please, don't confuse spiritual, spirit-led with outward uh, experience or with outward appearance. Don't confuse being actually led by the spirit and how someone looks. See, I was um, the worship leader once. I know, hard to believe, but <laughs> uh, I wasn't as good as Mark and Mimi. I think Mark and Mimi are doing a fantastic job. They're amazing. Um, I don't think Dayspring Church has ever sounded as good. Uh, but yeah, I was the worship leader. I play guitar. I don't anymore because they don't let me. So <laughs> but we're so proud of how this, this team has been led. But um, in scripture and generally, after the pastors, uh, the worship team should be kind of like the most spiritual group in ministry. They are the ones who are supposed to be uh, the most spirit-led because they are leading us into the presence of God. And I'm not, please don't think that I'm talking about this team. I'm talking about the past experiences that I've had and, and you know, articles that we read and friends. We have a lot of friends in ministry. But it seems most worship teams are breeding grounds for offense when they should be breeding grounds for the spirit. And it usually has to do with gossip. But they are talented. They lead us into the presence of God. They recite scripture. They lift up their hands. They pray. They speak in tongues. All the above. But it can be dangerously easy to confuse outward appearance with the presence of God. And in fact, as a pastor... As someone who 
is up here. And, and, you know, knowing about the Bible, being ordained and, 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 and being, you know, being a priest, it means nothing without the presence of God. I can tell you right now, this does not make me any less susceptible to temptation. It does not make me any less susceptible to being offended. I am human just like you, and I hope that you see our pastor Nestor the same. We are held at a higher standard, but that does not mean that we do not feel, that we do not hurt just like everyone else. But just look at how many what amazing pastors have had moral failings in the past. 10 years. It's because they had it all except the presence of God. And so when you ask me, what does a strong Christian look like? I dare tell you that it is someone who has self-control. Because we can dress nice, we can read our Bible every day. I know people who know the scriptures so well, sing beautifully. But if you offend them, don't, don't. Don't even get near them. They won't talk to you for months. And they wear it like a badge. See, there are way too many Christians and ministers who have it all but have no self-control. See, it's not outward experience. It's not outward appearance. It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We need to be led by the Spirit in our marriages, in our parenting, in our careers, in the choices that we make. We have to be led by the Spirit. I remember someone once told me, you know, like, I, I was like, what should I do? I'm kind of in this dichotomy. I don't know what to do. And they're like, well, how would it look to other people? I'm like, other people, my life is not flown from the, from, the, from the fruit and from the rivers of other people. It comes from the presence of God and the direction of the Holy Spirit. That is who should lead us, not other people. Let me end by giving some freedom to oversee offenses. See, there's this biblical truth that, in, that can encourage us to oversee offenses, and it's this, that God sees and will judge every offense. God sees and will judge every offense. Look at Luke 17, 1. It says, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Check this out. But woe to him through whom they do come. It says, woe to him. And then Ecclesiastes 12, 14, it says, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Wow. Isn't that so comforting? That people will hurt you, but God sees everything. God will judge everything. Every offense is first an offense towards God. And I know there are many people who have hurt you really badly. In fact, and I think I've said this before, but there was a moment where uh, one side of my family was just very uh, nasty towards my mom, my sister, and I. 
Um, and I don't feel comfortable going into details, but they're just really not nice, very bad people. Um, and there were so many things that my mom and even myself could have done. You know, we could have defended our name. We could have, uh, uh, you know, just told them off and tell them, you know, what they should hear and what they deserve, you know. Uh, but we never did. We just prayed. And uh, we continued to pray. And in fact, now my wife can even attest to this, but now... Um, when we see the family again or when we hear about the family again, it's unbelievable, but the whole family has gone through tragic, tragic, tragic things from cancer to divorce to death. The whole family is a mess. And I'm here. offenses are not worth being reacted to. We have to trust and believe that God will take care of it. Too, too many of us are trying to play God. We're trying to defend him. We're trying to defend. We have a God who is greater and amazing if we had tried to take matters into our own, our own hands, I feel like my life would be very different. I'd be full of hate, resentment, bitterness, and, and lots of therapy. But I'm only here because of the grace and presence and amazing mercy of Jesus Christ. And I believe that all of us here, too, can do that. Look at what Romans 21, 21 says. It says, don't let evil conquer you, but con conquer evil by doing good. And so today you can live in freedom. God offers you freedom. You can actually get a night's rest. You can actually go to that same party and look at that other person. It's possible. We don't have to live our lives in offense. You know, we didn't start with alcohol or drugs or certain movies because we felt like these are things that you can stay away from. It's very difficult to stay away from people. We're here to stay. You got to deal with us. So let's get good at trusting God, having better self-control, and forgiving others. And I love, I always like to say this, but you want to know how you can start? It's pretty easy. Get on the road and... Uh, Take a trip down 405 and then the 10, then the 101 back up at 5 p.m. on a Friday. See how it goes. Evaluate yourself after then. It's a good test. But let me wrap it up. What offenses do you need to oversee? What person have you not forgiven? Who do you need to have more grace and empathy towards moving forward. See, the cross is here. You can lay down all of your offenses down at Jesus' feet. You don't have to be the one to carry it all. Because let me tell you something that we didn't know, is that those carried offenses will begin to bleed into other relationships. 
and you will begin to blame them. You will begin to blame your spouse. You will begin to blame your kids. You will begin to blame your friends for something that they didn't do because you haven't forgiven that other person who has offended you. There are people who have huge walls because of the offenses that have happened to them in life. But God is here to offer freedom. He is here to say, listen, you don't have to carry those offenses. I will carry them for you. I will liberate you so that you can go on living life in freedom and you can actually enjoy the people around you. And you don't have to even think about those other people. You know, if we get this right, if we get better at our self-control, if we become strong Christians and get less easily offended, your marriage, your parenting, your career, your friendships, your ministry will all be better because you don't get easily offended. You know, I I get the privilege and the opportunity to be pretty close to our pastor, not just because I'm one of the pastors here, but because he's also my brother-in-law. So I got that going for me. But I sometimes get a sneak peek preview into the stuff that he has to deal with, into nasty messages that people send him, into threats, And I tell him, I don't know how you do this. I would have quit a long time ago. But I respect him more because of it. And I look up to him. Because I feel like people offend him every week. Yet he is strong and rooted in his faith that he is still here today. The guy could have left years ago. When COVID happened, there there was two people here. Never quit because he didn't get easily offended. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.